This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Perception, Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Carroll, Matt Harmon here with you. You listen to Perception, Perception, the show. All right. Uh, man, you talk about uh, Matt Harmon. We recorded that show uh, before Monday Night Football. <laughs> I mean, it felt like the football world changed uh, on that Monday night, man. Just four plays in, Aaron Rodgers goes down with a season-ending injury. Uh, potentially a career ender as well. I mean, he's going to be 40 years old coming back from an Achilles. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know, man. Like, does he have it? Does he want to come back? I mean, I don't know. Anyways, who cares about that? I, I think if you're listening to our show, uh, by this point, you've heard ad nauseum everyone's take online and over the airwaves about Aaron Rodgers and all that kind of stuff. And Garrett Wilson, or excuse me, uh, uh, Zach Wilson. But um, I feel like we haven't talked enough about Garrett Wilson and the impact that it might have on him, Matt Harmon. Man, um, first of all, did you see the interview with Garrett Wilson? Uh, I know I quote tweeted it, but I think it was like with Bart Scott and you know some ESPN radio show. Did you did you see that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was bummed. I mean, he was heartbroken. I mean, he he, <laughs> he was literally he was heartbroken. And you know, it's it, two two pieces of reaction to that. One, ob- it's obvious to me that Rogers like really connected with these guys on a human yes. level. You know, th- these young dudes, right? Like him and Sauce Gardner doing the weed thing, and then obviously Garrett Wilson saying, like he said to Garrett Wilson. I'm sorry, kid. You know, like that. Sucks. That was crazy. That's, yeah. That was crazy. I was like, whoa, man, that's emotional. So, yeah, one, it was just emotional. Like, um, you know, I've, I've met Garrett before and like I know how much he cares about football and cares about being um, viewed as a as a great receiver because of how hard he works at this stuff. And and that kind of number one, obviously, there's the human connection with Rogers. But two, you know, it, <laughs> It's such a rare, it was such a rare opportunity. You know, James, how often do we come on this show and bitch about, you know, receivers with bad quarterbacks, right? And there's guys like Allen Robinson who gets stuck with bad quarterbacks until like to the point that then by the time they're paired with Matthew Stafford, like his, 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 he's on the downswing of his career. You know, I mean, uh, Terry McLaurin, all of these guys, you could go down the list. And then for somebody like Garrett Wilson to be taken from, 
like plucked from the quarterback, the worst, some of the worst quarterback wilderness we've ever seen a receiver wander through as a rookie and second season get placed with, you know, Aaron Rodgers, not just like a viable quarterback, but uh, like we're not having to do that well, you know, Nick Foles better than Blake Bortles for Allen Robinson, I get, right? You know, it's it's Aaron Rodgers and everything seems so set up for it to end right. like that. I mean, you know, for, for such a unique opportunity to be taken away so quickly, it is it is really heartbreaking for Wilson. And I'll tell you what, for <laughs> from like a projection standpoint, it's heartbreaking to think about it on the other end too, where um, – you know, I think with Garrett, with with Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson was going to the moon. You know, Garrett Wilson was yeah, going to really have was. a special season, and now we're right back to where we started with with Zach Wilson. I know they'll yep. look for other options, but you know, I mean, no, no, no. You, what you didn't hear Robert Sala talk about that Zach Wilson's their guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? What else? What the hell else is he supposed to say? <laughs> You know, I mean, I, oh my it just is, it's depressing to watch my Twitter timeline suggest like, oh, maybe they called Matt Ryan. Gee, oh, God. Lord. You remember oh God. Matt I Ryan? Saw, I saw year? somebody throw out a Philip Rivers tweet. I'm like, dog, what? what I know. Rivers has been on the couch since no. 21. You know, Jeez. he's been on the couch for a minute. And um, he's been cooked since 2020. I mean, come on, bro. Like, what are you talking about? Matt Ryan's right. cooked. Like, stop it. No, I don't want any of those guys. Carson, I mean, Carson Wentz might be better than Zach Wilson for Garrett Wilson. Might I know, right? Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, so, anyways, you know, I say all this to say we're pretty much right back where we started with with Garrett Wilson. So, you know, the rest of season cheat sheet rankings are up on the site. Okay, and I, I mean, I had to drop Garrett Wilson down to like wide receiver twenty. You know, like the oh, bottom of tier three, no. uh, and he was <laughs> he was up no. there from in, in wide receiver tier two. You know, oh. as my as my receiver eight or nine, and Crazy. I mean, it's just it's a huge it's a huge bummer. It's a huge discount at this point for for Wilson. You've got to drop him down there. And look, he's a great player, and we saw mm -hmm. we literally saw on Monday night that he can make chicken salad out of Zach Wilson's chicken shit. There's no question, right? The, no, I've question. never seen a receiver pass commit a pass defense like uh, defend yeah. a pass and yeah, then yeah, score yeah. a touchdown i mean insane. it was incredible insane so Incre and, incredible. and that's another thing too is that i wouldn't just like copy paste what he did with zach wilson last year because the one thing that's true is like zach wilson is who he is but also garrett wilson is better than he was as a rookie because he's just naturally right. going to take a step forward but again i think you can't from a fantasy angle you can't get him any higher than like receiver 20 like i'd take both 49ers receivers ahead of him. I'd take uh, like, you know, Devonta Smith, T Higgins, like all right. the, all of yep. these guys, you know? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty rough. Look, Zach Wilson threw the ball 21 times, man. Um, you know, and, and again, we talk about that pass volume with Desmond Ritter, who threw it 18 times. And I'll, I'm over here with freaking flames coming out of my hair, you know? And it's like Zach Wilson threw it 21 times. And that was probably enough. You know, that's, that's about it. I mean, did you see, Peyton, you see, uh, you see, you see Eli and Peyton Manning. I never normally watch the Manning cast, not no yeah. shot to those guys. Cause I actually think they're great, but, um, they are, they are, you know, yeah. I, they're great, but I, I normally just want to watch the game. But after that yep. disaster class, uh, you know, or after just like, wow, this is, this game's going to go bad in a hurry. And it didn't, the jets, they, they won the damn game, which is incredible. I know. Like Crazy. I hope every jets fan on planet earth was able to enjoy that. Uh, but 
you know, I ended up switching to Manning Cast just to like check it out because I was like, well, this game is done. Again, I was wrong about that. But, you know, Eli asking Peyton, like, how many times do you think they're going to let him throw the ball? And Peyton's just disgusted, like, oh, maybe three, <laughs> maybe three more times. And, you know, we had like 10 minutes left in the third quarter. And it's just, I just disgusted by, oh, by the whole, God. by the whole proceeding. So, yeah. The funny I, thing I, about, the funny thing about that is that <clears throat> when they were trying to figure out who was going to come in for quarterback, Peyton Manning legitimately looked confused as to why Zach Wilson was still on the team. Like he was openly questioning who's the backup quarterback and like had no clue that Zach Wilson, I don't want to say no clue, but was like, oh my God, Zach Wilson is still on this team. Like that's how lowly he thinks of Zach Wilson. He didn't have to say anything. It was just all of like his reaction was just like, yeah. Like Peyton knows that Zach is not a good quarterback, you know? I think the biggest problem for Zach too is, is that he's a toxic figure. Like the moment he throws a game away, especially the guys on defense are going to be like, Oh, we done. We we did this. That's yeah. There's a reason that they, they made this very risky, not because of the injury, but just a risky trade for Aaron Rod, like an aggressive move. They, Bent Super over backwards impressive. to get to get Aaron Rodgers to not have Zach Wilson on the team. So, yeah, just from a Garrett Wilson perspective, it's it's tough, man. It's really tough. Uh, by the way, this 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 quote from Robert Sala, and I know that people, you, you know, what is he supposed to say? And like, you know, I, I understand that camp, right? But the quote from Robert Sala of "I don't know why people are trying to put an obituary on our team name." <laughs> It's just so funny because like the reaction shots of all of Robert Sala on the yeah. sideline, it's, it looks like he's looking at the obituary of his team. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like th- Robert, that's why people are putting an obit on your team because you literally look like your team is dead. I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying? So look, if it wasn't for Josh Allen's four turnovers, uh, it would have been a very different um, you know, situation, I think, for the Jets. I mean, it, it took a, a crazy walk-off. And wow, I, I mean, you, you you feel for the Gibson kid too, man. Like, great job. I mean, like, you, we got to know him on hard knocks and everything, man. This this plucky underdog, man, to, to win that game. And it, it was, the, there was a lot of storylines, obviously, on that Monday Night Football game, uh, which I believe was the most watched Monday Night Football game in ESPN history, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but man, what a game that was. Uh, and sad for Garrett Wilson, yeah. certainly, uh, moving forward. But... Okay, so let, let's put that behind us, all right? So now there were some a couple other notable guys that, you know, positive and negative uh, in performances there in week number one. Now, a lot of what Reception Perception does, guys, is obviously done in, in the offseason, but we're taking a renewed effort uh, to really revamp this site, not only with all this quarterback data, but a lot more in-season data as well. Uh, Matt, you've got profiles up, man, on Puka Nakua and Sky Moore. And and am I hearing this right, man? You, you're going to get one on Zay Flowers this week too? Yeah, and look, I, I started doing the in-season charting last year really for the first time, and I thought it was really helpful for me. I thought it yeah. was really helpful for the subscribers, uh, not from a me perspective, not just for like my own research, but also like time in the off season. It was actually helpful to have some a few games uh, done for some of these guys. Right, but, right, right. You right. know, that schedule perspective, it was nice. But no, I think it's obviously like it's the goal of reception perception to isolate player performance from surrounding uh, variables. And I think that's helpful to do in season. So um, I'm planning to do a lot of in season charting. You know, I, I we it. have a suggestions channel in the discord 
And I mean, I can't possibly even get to everybody that gets suggested, right? Because there, there's there's names all the way up and down, you know. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate yeah, the people right. who are like chart Brandon Ayuk just to just to treat yourself like that. You're a real one if you're in the Discord yes, suggesting right. that. Like, I know a few people did. Shout out to you guys, but yeah. So I'm trying to get as much in season stuff done as possible because I think it's really valuable, especially for these young guys that have surprising right. performances. Okay, speaking of surprising performances, Puka Nakua just went absolutely hog wild here. 15 targets earned for him, 10 catches. Puka Nakua went crazy, and as a matter of fact, he was the most added player uh, across fantasy football, and, and people were spending crazy fab budget to go pick yep. up Puka Nakua. So now it brings up the question of, okay, flash in the pan, or do you see long-term you know, viability with this rookie out of BYU? So... First of all, that's crazy. People spending a hundred percent of their their fab on Puka Nakua, and I I love Puka Nakua, but um, yeah, but that's madness. So yeah, that, that's that's that's, crazy. that's 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 crazy. That's some wild stuff. But yeah. uh, hey, yeah, I do think. But the thing is, I do think there is long term viability here, and I think okay. we have to address a couple of things. Number one, um, my pre draft evaluation on Puka Nakua. Let's bring it back to that because he was in the rookie roundup, like the mini samples on guys there. And I said yeah. he was easily my favorite guy that I put in that section, like the guy I rose the most on afterwards. He was my 12th ranked receiver prospect in last class. Um, mm -hmm. I thought he was going to – I knew he was going to go on day three because of injuries and lack of production and stuff like that, but he was – I knew he was going to be uh, underdrafted. Like I think he was more of like a round three type of guy. Um, the things that I would desc – I described him as – uh, sort of in that rookie roundup, I said I had a great appreciation for his hands, uh, his solid route running, and his rugged approach to the position. And that was exactly who he was in week one. Like, solid route runner, good hands. I mean, he had one drop, but whatever, who cares? He also had a great catch along the sideline from Matthew right. Stafford. Yep. And he's just rugged approach to the position. Again, I said he was my favorite receiver prospect that was going to go on day three. So I really liked him, right? So to keep mm -hmm. that in mind as we're talking about what he did in week one. But, I mean, again, he outkicked my wildest expectations <laughs> with like 15 yeah, targets in his first yeah. game. Right. So diving into the one-game sample for reception perception, you know, the, I think the first thing that people want to know is, oh, is this a fluke because Cooper Cup is absent? Like, was he just right. Cooper Cup's replacement in week one? Not so fast, I, I think. You know, the Rams lined him up all over the place, you know, in, in week one. He took 25.4% of the snaps I charted uh, in the slot. He was in the backfield as like a pre-snap motion option for 9.5%. Everybody on the Rams is a pre-snap motion option. Yeah, like They were doing some sure. crazy stuff with Tutu Atwell. And so he was on the line for 57.1% of his snaps. He was off the line for 52.9%. Um, I wrote in his pre-draft write-up that I definitely think he's probably best as like a, a flanker and then like a guy who could play in the slot a little bit. But he had some traits to his game where he could take some reps at X receiver. And, and we saw mm -hmm. that in, in week one. So um, I don't think he is a, a, a Cooper Cup replacement because we saw him play a lot outside you know right. uh, that was important and what then what's important there is okay so if he's playing outside does he show the traits to stick in that outside position and now before i read off these numbers we have to remember this is a one game sample and all of the numbers when they're positive <laughs> or negative can look a little wild okay all right but pukunakua faced man coverage on 35.1 percent of his routes in week one 
84.6% success rate. So he's open on 84.6% of those. He faced press coverage on 21.6%, and he was open. He, he defeated press coverage on 87.5%. So those are obviously wild, unsustainable. Those are not going to continue. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when he had to go against combative physical coverage outside, we had to beat man coverage, he showed the ability to get open as a route runner, which is why I think he will probably stick on the outside. And lastly, James, on this, I mean, he he is like a ridiculous Robert Woods clone. I mean, it just it's crazy how similar he is to Robert Woods and the yeah, routes man, that we, he, were, we were talking about that. We, we were talking about that exact same cop, you know, uh, on our previous show. It's hard not to see it. It's hard not to see it. It's, it's hard. Honestly, it's like the Rams should be investigated for cloning. OK, <laughs> I think they may have cloned Robert Woods. Okay. Uh, you know, they've been they've been on the front forefront of a lot of sports science stuff. Perhaps they're yeah. on the forefront of cloning. But I like you it. just look at the routes that Puka was really good on uh slants 32.4 percent of his routes were slants 83 percent success rate dig routes 18.9 percent of his routes 85.7 percent success rate like all that in-breaking stuff it's just so sean mcveigh it's just so right. this offense so i look i don't know if puka is going to be a guy that's going to produce every week of this i mean they did get the damn 49ers this week that could be a rough outing for this rams yeah offense. I know, but I, I mean, but that's what, and that's also what makes, you know, spending, you know, 50, 60 or a hundred percent of your fab budget on Puka Nakua. I mean, just a little, it's a little crazy, right? I, I mean, it's, it's going to be a little bit matchup. Uh, yeah. Matchup dependent, I think. And certainly when Cooper cup comes back, um, how will the utilization be for Puka Nakua and Van Jefferson, who by the way, also played a lot in this game. I mean, Tutu Atwell had a big game. You know, yeah. all 150 pounds of him almost had as many pa- yards as he is pounds. Um, so, I mean, like, <laughs> good point. I get it. Uh, it it's not going to it's not going to be like this every week for Puka. But I think what we can say for sure is that the Rams like hit hit on this guy. And I think he's going to be like nothing about his week one says he's just like a fluke producer. He, he looks like a guy that's going to be a pretty good NFL player. Uh, Puka Nakua, uh, again, just kind of reiterating some of your um, your 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 findings there. A hundred percent success rate on curls and post routes, eighty five point seven percent success rate on dig routes. I feel like that dig route percentage is just. I mean, you know, we talk about you know you you, you need to be good there um, if you want to be a great intermediate contributor. Uh, in the NFL, 85.7% success rate on the dig. That's really good. Now, I did struggle on the nines in the corners. Again, mm-hmm. didn't run a ton of those routes, but that's okay. Um, the one thing I, I kind of, you know, anytime I look at Matt Harmon's data, guys, all right, what I do to shortchange everything is like, all right, I, I go immediately to success rate versus man. It's like, can this guy beat man press coverage? 85% success rate versus man, 87.5% success rate versus press coverage. Now, I want to bring up that press coverage score for you there, Matt, because there was a lot of question marks just with his lack of ideal athleticism um, that maybe this guy couldn't get off of press. Uh, but 87.5% success rate there, that, that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and look, I mean, athletic measurements are nice, and I know you love the athletic measurements. You but- know it. But they all mean almost like next to nothing at wide receiver in terms of like ability to play, like ability to play, because um, you can get by with technique and with quickness and with savvy and stuff like that. And yeah, that's what I think Puka will be. I don't think Puka Naku is about to be the, the next uh, number one receiver or anything like like some kind of major right. superstar. But I think he can get by and be like a really good complimentary player in this passing offense because of his ability to uh, to 
to get open despite the fact that he's not an ideal athlete. Uh, again, I do wonder um, just with the game flow and, and with c- coverage dictating, you know, targets and all that kind of stuff. I just it feels like to me, Matt, watching that game um, that this team, the Seattle team was kind of sort of like, all right, we don't know who the hell Puka Nakua is. We don't know who the hell Tutu or we're not worried about Tutu at well, you know, um, and, and Van Jefferson running some clear out routes here and there. And um, Matt Stafford's obviously locked in to, to Puka Nakua for 15 targets. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I wouldn't be that surprised if this next game he, he locked into somebody else. Like if maybe it's oh. Van Jefferson's turn, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, uh, yeah. Let me tell you what. Okay. If Puka comes out here against the 49ers and has two catches for, you know, 28 yards, you're not allowed to be surprised. I'm telling you, you right go. now, I'm not giving right. you permission to, I'm giving you permission to not be surprised. You are not allowed to right. be surprised by that. Right. And you're not allowed to come like dunk on the people who like Puka as a player. Now, if you're, if, for whatever reason, you know, people are uh, up there putting him as like a top 20 receiver rest of the season or something. Yeah, you can, you have my permission to dunk on those people. Um, okay. But because that's kind of silly. <laughs> but right. look, he's not, yeah, he's not going to have big games every single week, but I think he's a quality, viable NFL player. Um, And and that's kind of where I'm at with him right now. It's just it. You don't have to make it hard. Like rookie got comes out there and has 15 targets has a really nice game in his week one. He's a good player. He's a good player. He doesn't fall. You don't like and he didn't fall like ass backwards into that production. He really, uh, I think, earned the the looks and earned the reps. So, um, yeah, he's not going to have big games every single week. It's going to be a moving target here. And I think definitely when Cooper Cup comes back, I mean, I mean, it's kind of if Cooper comes comes back because uh, there's just so much Good weirdness point. going on there. But um, if and when he does come back and Cup is going to get, you know, 10, 11 targets per game and, you know, Puka is going to kind of pick up the, the scraps there. But I think right now I'd be betting that he's the second most valuable uh, offensive player, uh, offensive skill position player on that team right now. So Van Jefferson uh, played about 95% of the offensive snaps in Puka Nakua, you know, in the high 70s. But when you look at routes run, uh, uh, again, very Rams-esque. This is very Sean McVay. But Puka Nakua, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell all ran 34 routes. And then the next wide receiver would be Bryce, ha- or excuse me, Ben Skoranek at five routes run. So it's, it's very concentrated. Um, when, when Sean McVay likes his guys, he likes his guys, you know, they're going to get out there, uh, and they're going to play. It's going to be not, it's, it's so far removed from Andy Reid and the spread out nine receivers. And you know what I mean? Like it's just, that's just not what it is. Um, Sean McVay is going to, he's going to, you know, give you the same looks and then just run different plays off that same look. That's what makes it very confusing. Uh, in that Sean McVay offense, and that's what confuses defenses. But man, Puka Nakua, Van Jefferson, Tutu Wawa, all running 34 routes. It gives you an idea <clears throat> that despite him being a rookie, that uh, Sean McVay obviously has full trust uh, in Puka Nakua. Um, and I would imagine that will be the the way moving forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, um, I just brought up Andy Reid and, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, on the other end of the spectrum there, Matt, there were, I don't want to say sizable expectations, but, you know, pretty good expectations on Sky Moore. Uh, and this dude absolutely did not do a thing. I mean, literally had literally. zero catches. Yeah, literally zero catches uh, in that ball game. You did a one-game sample on him. What'd you find? I was, yeah, speaking of expectations, I was, you know, a little uh, surprised by like how much vitriol there was about Sky Moore in week one. I get you have zero catches. That stinks. Yeah. And like, I'm not about to tell you that he had a good game in reception perception. So let me just get that out of the way. Like he didn't have a good week one. Right. Okay. Uh, but I was like from fantasy people specifically, like nobody drafted Sky Moore to be a starter. You know, you're like, no. I told my Sleeper, friend who all the way. my friend who did start Sky Moore. I'm like, I'm sorry, your fantasy team stinks so much that you had to start Sky Moore in Week One. I know people play in like super deep leagues and stuff like that, yeah, uh, yeah. and I, 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 in some of those deeper leagues, I did actually start Sky Moore. But uh, you know, Same. that's 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 my fault for playing in stupid league formats. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think when you, when you think about uh, just the ceiling on Sky Moore, there was, uh, I mean, I, we even said it on the show, as much as we appreciated him as a college prospect, you know, the ceiling is like what, what Juju did last year, which was like mm -hmm. 78 catches, you know, in, in 16 games. So, which right. would be great if for, if he, you know, if he could get that at this point, but he's off to a zero catch start. Uh, so <laughs> looking at the, the week one game, you know, you mentioned number one, the receiver rotation, uh, which, Look, it's not a it's not a good thing like for um for any of these receivers. Sky Moore was second on the team uh, in, in receiver route routes run, and he ran a route on sixty four point four percent of the dropbacks. Like that's crazy. Uh, that's like way too much rotating. And yeah, like let's also remember that <laughs> I just I, I'm I'm just like my thing with the Chiefs offense is let's not be too quick to judge anything that happened here. Except the fact that Kadarius Tony can't catch and like you know he's still kind of a mess. That's <laughs> that we can judge, but yeah, everything but, else, uh, lock that in. Okay, lo lock that in. Uh, yeah. Everything else, it's just from a game plan perspective, from a usage perspective. Like, let's see what this offense looks like when they drop an elite player back in there, which is obviously Travis Kelsey, who's practicing this week. So hopefully we see something. But yeah, I mean, look, Sky Moore in Week One. Uh, not not great uh, in terms of getting open. 57.1% success rate versus man on 23% of his routes. Uh, oh. 77 routes against zone. And he was sub 70%. Uh, look, that, like, that stuff's got to be better. But again, he's not going to get open on downfield routes. And I think he was running a bit too many downfield routes. Like there's not a lot of slants. There's no almost no flat routes. Like he runs a lot of curls and digs. Uh, I, he's not going to be 
he, I think he, he, the thing I was most like irritated by was the, the lack of, um, the lack of uh, separation in man coverage on dig routes. Cause I think that's actually something that he flashed pretty well on as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, I think the biggest disappointment here, but again, look, I, I just think he's not, he was never going to be like a number one receiver. Uh, and I think also my last point on this too, watching this game, I know it's sacrilegious and like Patrick Mahomes is, I've called him quarterback Jesus, but yeah, not a great game for, for Patrick Mahomes. You know, there was a lot of pressure, um, there on, you know, he was under pressure a lot and he, I think he bailed on plays too early. He passed up on some open receivers a little bit more early, sometimes to sky more too. Uh, so look, all time disaster game, probably not going to be this disastrous going forward, but chiefs do have some questions to answer on, on their offense right now. Okay. So sky Moore ran 76.7% of his routes against zone coverage. When you come in at sub 70%, that is problematic. Um, That's and good, again, yep. Uh, Matt, when you talk about uh, a player like this and you say, oh, okay, well, he's going to, you know, again, his skill set would would indicate that he should be off the ball and really uh, an inside wide receiver, right? So playing in the slot. Um, if you want to be a slot receiver, I know we've hammered this on this show a lot, but you want to, if you want to be a good NFL slot receiver, you've got to beat zone coverage at around like an 80% clip. Um, and for him to be sub 70, Matt, that that's... Is that not a giant red flag to you? It's a red flag for sure. Um, you know, even in his rookie season, which like none of his rookie numbers were special. Uh, 52nd percentile success rate versus zone, 50th percentile success rate versus man. I did think he gets, I think he gets off the line of scrimmage into his short routes really well. Uh, 80% success rate uh, on slants and 88.9% success rate on flats in his rookie season, like the full rookie season profile. And he was pretty good on di- – that's what I'm saying, like pretty good on dig routes. That was a disappointment in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I, I think that is definitely a red flag because like if he's going to be a high-volume slot receiver, he would have to be a really quality zone beater. But again, he's not going to be a high-volume slot receiver. Like this is a guy that they're maybe going to throw like 90 to 100 targets to a game best case it'd be like 120 and uh even then that's a lot that's a lot I, I don't that that would be like a best case scenario and i just they they need to figure out this receiver room from like a body type standpoint and like who's gonna play what roles because i still feel like they're kind of feeling that out and that should have been they something are. they had figured out by week one <clears throat> um which again i'm get, willing to give everybody a pass here because you have to remember this too these guys have been planning it. Look at look at look what the Patriots did against the Eagles in Week One. The Patriots mm-hmm. play man coverage almost more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. In Week One, they play a ton of zone coverage. Like Jalen Hurts faced zone coverage on like twenty one of thirty nine dropbacks. Do you think Bill Belichick wasn't thinking all off season about this game plan of like what we're gonna do in Week One against this team? You think Andy Reid right. is not coming up with a game plan all off season for week? Like this right. guy's like one of the best game planners in the NFL. Absolutely. And then, they find out like late Tuesday, like, oh, shoot, Kelsey gets hurt in practice and everything they've planned for goes out the window. Like now we have seven receivers active and now we are rotating these guys a ton. I think they, they need to figure out like a better role for almost all of these players. And that that includes, by the way, Kadarius Tony, who like don't be throwing him intermediate routes. <laughs> he's not that's not his thing. You know, um, Rasheed Rice, you know, he's dropping passes, even though he, he catches a touchdown. I mean, it right. just is. There's a lot that needs to be figured out here. This is the crazy thing. So again, where Sean McVay uses 
the same look and then runs a bunch of different routes out of the same look to confuse defenses. Andy Reid does the exact opposite. He just throws everything on the wall. And that's what confuses defense. It's like, who, who is these guys? Who are these guys subbing in? Bro, he had uh, seven wide receivers. I don't even know they had seven wide receivers, but they had seven wide receivers running routes for this team. And despite the fact that um, Travis Kelsey was out, they still had three tight ends running routes for this team as well. Some character named Matt Bushman ran two routes. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then you throw in the three running backs also running routes. That's just so much in terms of all these guys moving around, different moving parts. I, you, I mean, again, Patrick Mahomes is great. I love Patrick Mahomes. He's the best football on, on planet Earth or uh, best um, quarterback on planet Earth. Uh, there's, no, there's no argument for me there. But again, when you've got, you know, 13 guys that you're trying to keep track of, and, and your main guy that you love to throw the ball to is not there, you can understand why there might be some processing flaws. You know what I mean? Totally. Uh, I actually found this stat uh, earlier today. You know, Fantasy Points does the the first read targets for receivers and they also mm-hmm. for, for quarterbacks as well. Patrick Holmes threw his first read on just 43.6% of his passes. That was the third lowest among all quarterbacks in week one. I mean, that shows that he's – not he doesn't have even one guy he locks onto. You know he's scanning, right. which is great. You scan in the field, all that, but third yeah, exactly. lowest. I mean that's not that's that's nuts because not only like this is the funny thing about throwing all of these guys out there and like seeing what sticks. If you're the uh, and by the way the Lions also had a great game plan because they typically are a man coverage heavy team and they played a ton of zone coverage in week right. one. They ran, and that was not probably what these guys in Kansas City expected. So it's a lot of stuff going on at once, you know, for Mahomes and for Reed to deal with. Um, a lot of factors in play here about the kind of why the offense overall looks so disjointed. And yeah, you're going to be disjointed when you have all these personnel packages coming in and out and all these receivers rotating in and out. Uh, I, I think it's like, it's kind of rough for an offense to deal with that and to try to find rhythm with one guy and for yeah. you know one guy to try to know their place in the offense. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like th- Mahomes did put some opportunities up for, for sky Moore to make plays in contested situations, which is, you know, isn't really, I mean, he had a nice contested catch rate in week one, but he's yeah. like the, the type that he was having to win in week one. There's a difference, right? Like there's a difference between making catches with like, Guys draped on you, and then like having to go up and get the ball. Yeah, he's not. Sky Moore is never going to be a guy that's going to go up and get the ball. Like that's not his thing. So, um, you know, those those plays were there. Sky Moore didn't make them, and like you just got to move on to week two and and hope hope for better. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up, right? Like, there's like athletic contested catches that you go and make, you know, um, and then there's like concentration contested catches, you know. Um, and I think Sky Moore might be more of those like concentration type dudes, but yeah, you're right. He's never going to just, you know, just climb the ladder and just go pick yeah. one off. You know what I mean? So we'll see. All right. Um, in regards to other things that, uh, that are happening on the site, um, you've got the, the rest of season positional tiers, as you mentioned, those are up. Um, and again, I alluded to at the top of the show, Zay flowers, his, uh, one game sample going to be coming soon as well. Yes. Zay flowers. Oh boy. Uh, so <laughs> there's been this kind of you know because zay flowers like i mentioned that first read target stat yeah. uh zay flowers led the nfl uh in first read target share in week one which uh i think that was 
pretty exciting, right? Uh, Zay Flowers, yeah. a, a rookie receiver there, 60% of the Ravens' first read targets went to Zay Flowers. Now other people have pointed out, like, there's a lot of screens in the mix there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of design touches, specifically six uh, designed catches um, for – or six, yeah, six designed targets – uh, right. for Zay Flowers in week one, according to Fantasy Points data. that That's cool. But when you don't look at that and when you look at him and what he actually did against, like, man coverage, I mean, this he only faced man coverage on 21.4% of his routes. He got open on five of six of those. I mean, and, and it's the downfield stuff, too. Like, he's so good on these outbreaking routes in week one. Mm. I mean, corner routes, out routes, um, you know, just incredible separation. He ran two beautiful comeback routes with just perfect precision. And you know, that a separation ability. Oh man, I'm really high on this player. I think he's a very, I think, you know, I was high on him coming in, but I think week one, he looked great. And this is like, not a one thing I think we need to adjust to. And I've said this about the Texans is they're not like a little cupcake secondary. They have good players in the secondary and they have good pass rushers up front. And I think Zay Flowers, like, yes, the design touches stuff is nice. The the um the the, the screens and and I get it. There's a lot of that in week one, but watch this guy really go out there and and like run big boy routes because he absolutely is running big boy routes. Twenty four point one percent of his routes were corner routes. Ten point seven percent of his routes hmm. were out routes, and there is a lot of separation there from Zay Flowers. So he's he's got unbelievable ability to win after the catch. I mean, he is, it's freaky. And, and by the way, last point on the design touches stuff. Tell me why it's a bad thing that an offensive coordinator like Todd Monken <laughs> sits not. there and sees. Why is that Zay, a negative? That's not a negative. Zay Flowers is like, you know what? We got to design ways to get this guy the ball exactly. and like it, it get in his hands in the first game of the season because he's that good after the catch. Well, I mean, again, it's it's like Todd Munkin's seen basically this guy in practice and is like, yeah, yeah, we need to get yeah. this guy the ball. I mean, and again, what that tells you is that the team views Zay as a potential true number one receiver. If the team is telling you that, that's a, I, I think to me, that's like a, a great indication uh, of usage moving forward, you know? So I don't know. I, I don't see that as a negative. As a matter of fact, I see it as the exact opposite to your point. Uh, I think I think that's a positive that the team views him in a certain way. Well, then we should probably start viewing him in that way as well. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, he led the Ravens receivers in routes. Uh, and, and obviously, look, Rashad Bateman, I'm a big fan of Rashad Bateman, but he's got to take some time to ramp back up to to like full speed. That was yeah, just always right, going to be right, the case. Right, he's right, they're right, not right. going to put Rashad Bateman out there for a ton of work. He just got back to practice like less than a month ago, right? Something like that. Mm -hmm. He was not a full go at the start of training camp. So no. it's going to take some time for Bateman to get there. You know, Odell made some nice plays in week one. He drew a few pass interferences. He made a you know, yep. classic special Odell catch. He can still do that stuff down the field. But they they ran that pass offense through Zay Flowers in week one. And, and like I said, I think on the last show, Zay, uh, the Ravens pass offense is not – it's not it's not all the way there yet. But no. I think what's clear no. is that Zay Flowers is a guy because of how he can get open, not the and great great stuff after the catch on design touches, but his ability to separate against man coverage outside and win on outbreaking routes, like big boy NFL routes. That's the important thing with Zay Flowers and like the real indicator of what type of player this guy is.
So you mentioned the outbreaking routes. Uh, it's a good transition to talk about Derek Klassen's work. He charted Lamar Jackson, and um, it's like kind of sort of the opposite of like Jared Goff. We know Jared Goff. If you throw anything moving to the inside, Goff's going to hit you, man. <laughs> you know, Goff loves these in-breaking routes. Lamar Jackson, believe it or not, um, actually was really good throwing these out routes. He was really good throwing. He was above the NFL average throwing comeback routes um, into the flats as well. Um, was really efficient throwing curl routes, which I found to be a little bit surprising because that requires a lot of timing. Um, and he didn't have those guys last year, but still an 87.1% success rate on curl routes last year. Um, very promising, but an 80, 81% success rate, Matt, on the out route for Lamar Jackson. If you're telling me that Zay Flowers is, is really hyper-efficient in this area, I mean, that's, again, I, I mean, that's hot sauce and fried chicken right there. I mean, that, that could really do well. Yeah, there is a one, at least one like beautiful out route that uh, Zay Flowers do, just just like a r- real route runner from day one sells the vertical route on Derek Stingley, like who's a good corner. He was drafted extremely high. Right. Uh, you know, sell that sell that vertical route, sell that vertical route, sell the vertical route, and then bring it like cut it back to the outside. Just that deceptive route running, like keep him on his toes. It's just great stuff there. I I really think there is so much to really like with Zay Flowers, and I, I agree like that. That tandem with Lamar, who he's not had a lot of guys that that work the outside like that. Like even no. Bateman, I think, is more of an over the middle receiver. Um, you know, certainly a Demarcus Robinson, any of the guys he's played with before are not like that type of player. So I think Zay Flowers and Lamar Jackson is going to be a pretty nice connection here going forward. Yeah. So again, talking about some of that in-breaking route stuff, uh, Lamar Jackson on the dig route was a, um, a below league average 58.3% success rate on the dig 44% success rate on the post, which is not a great number at all. We, we know Lamar has struggled, um, over the course of his career, really connecting on deep plays, you know? So, uh, we'll see if Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman can, can bring some verticality, uh, to this Baltimore Ravens passing offense. But what we do know is even with, um, you know, the the cast of jabronis that he had last year, man, uh, really good on the out, really good on the comeback too. So um, that's not bad. You know what I mean? So, and it sounds like Matt, and I can't wait to see this one game sample, but it sounds like Zay Flowers has that skill set to really match uh, well with what Lamar Jackson does well there. It doesn't mean that Odell and, and Rashad Bateman can't do their thing too. It's just oh, yeah. that if you think about like the verticality of of some of their game, that maybe doesn't totally fit the skill set of Lamar Jackson as well, which again might help to explain why Zay Flowers saw damn near 50% target share uh, in this passing offense. You know what I mean? He's just so explosive too. I mean, that's another thing like – When's the last uh, like Hollywood Brown is a really fast player, right? Like yeah. Marquise Brown's mm-hmm. a really fast player, but like threatening defenses vertically is about more than speed, and it's it's so much about like the explosiveness and man coverage, and that's just never really been Marquise Brown's game. So I think this explosiveness that Zay Flowers has and really advanced as a route runner, I think right. really matches up, overlaps with Lamar's game so well. Um, and I think it's really exciting. I, I think like, man, Zay Flowers is a guy that's really hard, really hard to not get too optimistic about in in fantasy just because of, of what he did. And and I think this offense is only going to progress more and more. And again, once 
Bateman gets more up to speed, he's going to be a big factor in the offense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think this offense is only going to get better. Like I said, I think on the last show, we expect everything to just be like microwave, like instantaneous, yeah. uh, you know, but it's not like that. Sometimes it's like making a stew. It's like making a chili. It's going to take a little bit of time, but the reward <laughs> will be go. worth it once we get there. What an analogy. I like it, man. I, I love this. Okay. Uh, by the way, the one game sample on Joe Burrow, uh, is on the site as well, receptionperception.com. Uh, some takeaways here from the Joe Burrow um, uh, column. Oh, one game sample here. Okay, this is from Der our guy Derek Klassen. Okay, Burrow did not throw a single pass over the middle beyond 10 yards. He really highlights the fact that Joe Burrow's calf was an issue. He couldn't have, he didn't have drive. Uh, on that football. And Matt, as you know, it's not like Joe Burrow's the biggest arm in the NFL, right? Like he gets a lot done with timing touch. Um, and he's got like adequate NFL power behind his throws, but it, certainly it's not like, you know, it, it's not like Josh Allen or anything yeah. like that. He, he, it, he just doesn't have that zip to his fast fastball. So when you take away the lower half, it, it starts to take away some of the things that, that Joe Burrow can get done as a quarterback. Yep, I and a lot of factors at play here, I think, for Joe Burrow to where I'm not really all that concerned, like long term. In the short term, though, I think the calf issue is is something to 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 monitor. And there's a different like I'm so glad that Sean McVay said this about Cooper Cup a couple of weeks ago, where there's a difference between return to play and return to performance, and they were hoping for return to performance for Cooper Cup, not just play. Mm -hmm. like these guys play through a lot of stuff and yeah. we don't really know about it. And it's right. like, okay, yeah, Joe Burrow is back. He is back for week one. That doesn't mean he is back to performance. It means he's back to play, which again, there's a difference. And, you know, you could argue about whether guys should take themselves out more often in these situations if they're not going to be at their best selves. But, you know, that's their decision, not ours. I think that Burrow definitely wasn't getting the same drive and he's not always great. He's not already great at that, you know. And then two other things, too. One, the weather's another factor that's going to affect True. that drive. That was a mm -hmm. problem uh, on Sunday. And the third thing is <laughs> Cleveland's defense just came to play. Cleveland's oh, defense man. was like, yeah, oh, we, man, we I think they knew that Burrow was having a, you know, the, the calf issue. Like that was probably going to be a problem for him. And yeah. they just sent, you know, Miles Garrett and Darius Smith and like, let's just go hunt, man. Let's get after it. And, <laughs> and they got after it, buddy. <laughs> Yep, they sure did. I mean, the O-line is obviously Swiss cheese at this point, too. Um, I cannot believe they let go of Lyle Collins, man. I mean, I can, but you know you know what I'm saying? Like, I can, but can't. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it's it's nuts. Uh, but uh, just some other, again, just some other takeaways from Klassen's work doing the one-game sample on Joe Burrow. Um, last year, Joe Burrow was actually second best uh, among charted quarterbacks in regards to tight window throws, a 55% success rate on tight window throws in this week one, he was O of eight trying to throw it mm. into tight coverage. So, um, and again, a lot of that is he just didn't have, um, uh, Klassen points out, maybe he didn't have the timing because, you know, again, he didn't play any in the preseason. So he's probably still getting ramped up to game speed and then the injury and then the weather, all these things combined, horrific game, uh, less than a hundred yards here for Joe Burrow. 80, I mean, what was it? 85 total yards, uh, passing for, for Joe Burrow. That's just, Jeez. that's nuts, man. That's absolutely crazy. 
Um, and again, the injury too, according to Klassen, also obviously impacted his mobility in the pocket. Last year, Burrow posted a 57.7% success rate versus pressure. That was seventh best in the NFL. Week one, two of nine on pressured attempts, 22.2% success rate. Obviously, one of the worst in the NFL. So, um, look, they've got the Baltimore Ravens coming into town right now. Uh, if this injury lingers, Matt, I, I tell you what, man, the Cincinnati Bengals, who I thought was going to be one of my, you know, one of the teams playing in the Super Bowl this year, um, I really love the Bengals. Uh, they're going to be an O2 hole, man. And that's, and that's pretty tough to come out of at, for, for, for a different team. So we'll see, um, what happens with Joe Burrow. All right, let's move on. We'll actually, we'll stay in the AFC. We're talking a lot of AFC North here, man. Talk Pittsburgh. We talk Bengals. Got to talk about this. Got to talk about the Steelers injury to Deontay Johnson though. Uh, he's going to be out, you know, everyone's saying, you know, three to four weeks. So a good chunk of change here with that, that, uh, that lower body injury, um, a lot of people have asked me, and I want to get your take on this, Matt, Allen Robinson or Calvin Austin, and we'll move beyond fantasy and just say, okay, well, how does Calvin Austin fit into this offense? So look, I mean, when you watch week, you know, and I've gone back and watched it, but I'm going to do some charting off this game too. So I'd actually like to get a one game sample up on both of these players too, Allen Robinson and, and Calvin Austin. So maybe look up for that on the site. Uh, but just watching this game, I mean, like George Pickens is in the same role that he was in last year. Like, uh, you yep. know, unfortunately, he's in just having run a lot of clear out routes, a lot of vertical stuff, a lot of working on the sideline. And he's, you know, still it's I don't know, man, it, that role stinks. And I think it exacerbates some of the issues with his game. I like George Pickens. I think George Pickens is a really good player, but it just if he's going to be in this low percentage role, it's just, it's not good for, for um, it's not good for the consistency of the offense that the best separator on the team is not going to play. That's not good. Uh, so there is that. So with these two guys, Allen Robinson played a ton in the slot, which I think is really good for him at this point. Like I think that Robinson mm -hmm. can still separate on these like short to intermediate routes uh, and, from the slot getting free releases he can still get off the line cleanly but he's just not going to win against man coverage down the field because he is not explosive anymore he is no longer right. that guy that like could uh, I mean he could win contested catches but he doesn't have quite the same juice in his legs uh, anymore right. that's very right, clear right, right. but still a really good refined route runner and there's already a lot of trust I think between him and Kenny Pickett um Pickett was terrible in week one. I mean, oh my God. I, I If we ever wanted to torture Derek Class, and we could ask him to chart Kenny Pickett's week one. Um, but, you yeah. know, I think there is some there is some trust there for Kenny Pickett to deliver the ball to Allen Robinson when it's off target and him to win those passes. And Calvin Austin, man, Calvin Austin's explosive. Uh, yeah, he is. I, yeah, I really like what we saw in week one out of Calvin Austin. You know, it wasn't a ton, but a guy that can – potentially separate against man coverage as well on like crossing routes and um, bring you some plays on digs and crossers and post routes. Um, you know, there's not enough of those already in the freaking Matt Canada offense, but uh, you know, <laughs> when we get them, I think Calvin Austin can run those plays pretty well. So oh, man. I think between these two guys, I will give the edge to, to Robinson, but I like from a production standpoint, but I think Calvin Austin's role in the offense is going to be important because um they're funny too with the with Matt Canada. Like you know, they do all this motion stuff, but it doesn't really do anything. Like you watch the the 
like nobody really pays attention to it. Nobody really buys it. And there's nobody, there's no point to it. Like when the Rams motion Tutu Atwell around, yeah. there's like a point to it. It frees somebody else up or it gets Tutu Atwell like a, a, I mean, my God, what the Dolphins do with motion with Tyree Kill. I know Tyree Kill is a different, different class of player, but yeah, yeah, they yeah. motion him and get that running start. And then it's like, well, good luck. You're never going to cover that guy. There's a point to the motion. There's no point to the motion in, in Matt Canada's offense. But I think if there ever was, Calvin Austin would be a good candidate for that. Well, I mean, you talk about the athletic profile uh, for this kid. And there's a reason why we were talking about him uh, in our preseason shows. Because, I mean, in the preseason, this guy showed a little bit. You know what I mean? Showed some pop, man. 43240. Come on now. 39-inch vertical for Calvin Austin. I'm actually really curious to see what the deployment's going to be, Matt. Because... With the injury, you can't just come in and say, okay, well, we're going to scrap our game plan and we're going to move these guys around. You can't do that, right? So Deontay Johnson goes down with injury. Calvin Austin slides in. He played 85% of his snaps on the outside. Meanwhile, Allen Robinson played 75% of his snaps as an inside wide receiver. Now, you you talk about that trust between Allen Robinson and Kenny Pickett and his ability to get open in that short area. Well, I mean, there's a reason why of the 44 routes, Allen Robinson saw eight targets, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, Calvin Austin running just 27 routes saw six targets. So obviously, he's garnered a little bit of trust there um, from Kenny Pickett as well. So I'm just very curious to see what the alignment will be. I don't think that Calvin Austin is going to play 85% of his snaps as an outside wide receiver. I do think that Allen Robinson will mix in on the outside in two wide receiver sets um, Mm -hmm. as well. So I don't know. Um, You know, obviously we don't have a lot of trust Matt Harmon in, uh, in the Matt Canada offense or in just Matt Canada in general. (laughs) So will he feel like such an idiot for getting excited about this offense a little bit? (laughs) You know, because they still have this guy as the freaking coordinator. I mean, again, it's like I I go back to our previous episode where I'm like, yo, they lied to us. They lied to us. They said it was going to be different. This shit's the same. The same. It looks the same. Every play. It's the same. Every play. (laughs) It's the same as it was last year and the year before. And it's the same every snap. It's the same, same, same. It's the same. Like they lied to us. It's it's crazy, man. It's absolute. It's absolute madness. Anyways, uh, I'm I'll just really... note about Calvin Austin though. Um, yeah, you know, he's like 162 pounds. Liter- literally, he's 162 yeah. pounds. That's tiny, what he's listed on the, on the yeah. website. Five nine. He's a tiny guy. So yeah, maybe he's a better fit as a speed slot receiver. But when he was playing at Memphis in college, uh, in mm-hmm. his reception perception sample. Uh, he lined up outside on 85% of his sampled snaps. He's on the line of scrimmage for 79. Uh, it's like Jamar Chase type stuff in college. Like nobody <laughs> plays X receiver like that. And, yeah, and obviously he's right. a tiny fella, but um, 71.1% success rate versus man. Like he can get open uh, against man coverage. So I, yeah, maybe not 85% outside. That is like just dropping him right into Deontay's role, right. uh, which I don't think is going to necessarily happen, but yeah. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see where they line these receivers up. All right. There you go. Uh, certainly we'll be keeping an eye. Uh, regretfully, we'll be keeping an eye on this Pittsburgh Steelers offense and what they oh do to deploy Allen Robinson, uh, Pickens, and uh, Calvin Austin. All right. But now it's time for the option route. 
Uh, Matt Harmon, you got to lose one for the rest of your life. Okay, no money on the line for this one, okay? Uh, you got to lose one. Pasta slash bread or dessert. Option route, pasta bread or dessert, which one you losing for the rest of your life? Okay, a couple qualifications here or a couple okay. couple All questions right. as usual. All I got to right. ask got to yes. ask you follow-ups. Of course. Yes. Uh so with bread <laughs> yeah. and pasta uh-huh. Are we yeah. talking like, like what about cheaty, cheat kind of like, like uh, keto pasta? bread, like keto bread or like nah, no protein pasta or, um, like what about tortillas? Does that count as, that doesn't count as bread, right? No, that doesn't count as bread. You could still have tortillas. We'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow tortillas. Okay. But no, no fakey bread, no fakey pasta. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, again, if you, if you want to make some freaking you know, zucchini noodles, yeah, that, that doesn't, count. that doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> you want to go with some, some crappy zucchini noodles? Go ahead. All right. But, but regular old pasta noodles. Nah, you can't, can't get it, man. Can't get no pasta. You can't get no bread. That means no pitas. Okay. We'll, we'll allow for, we'll allow for like pizzas, um, and we'll allow yeah. for, well, the, you know, yeah, that some count. tortillas. Okay. That, yeah, that doesn't count. That's different. When I think of bread, I think of like pure slices of bread and right. roll. What about biscuits? No biscuits, no biscuits. <sighs> okay. So no my biscuits. initial thought was I'm going to, was my initial thought was I'm going to give up pasta and bread and stick with uh-huh. dessert because, yeah. uh, you know, this James and you know, it's my pin tweet on Twitter. I used to be quite a, quite a big, uh, big fellow with a, you know, let's just call it a not husky so great relationship. Yeah. A husky fellow with a not so great relationship to food. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I don't often eat, uh, I don't often eat dessert, yeah. but when I do, uh, there might be a, an effect of, uh, let's just say like the eyeballs roll into the back of the head <laughs> when the sugar rush hits, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, right. and that is, that is enjoyable on, on occasion to, you know, it's like, okay, like an Oreo milkshake or something. That's like, oh, basically like yeah. I just hit the crack pipe again. Okay. For, yep. for me, literally, like it's basically like that. So, um, uh, my initial thought was I was going to I was going to say goodbye to pasta and bread and go with dessert. But the more I think about it, the more it's just like, look, if you're, you know, out at the bar with your with your buddies or, you know, whatever. And like, you yeah. know, you just want a sandwich. Sometimes I don't know about you, but when like, look, if I'm out for like a nice dinner and like I'm having, you know, like wine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, sure. I like I'll I don't need a certain type of food, but. You know, I like beer. I like going out and, you know, having a few beers and there, I don't want to have a beer and like have a salad or, or um, have a beer and like <laughs> cut up my chicken and broccoli and stuff like that. Like sometimes <laughs> I just want a freaking sandwich when I have a beer and I think that's going to be tough to give up, give up the bread part of it. Now, I think I could probably say goodbye to pasta. I, I like, yeah. I love pasta and love a good pasta dish. It's, it's awesome. But um yeah, I, I think for the bread part of this is if I got to pick the pasta slash bread, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, again, that, that's no cheeseburgers, right? So burgers right. are now off the table. You know, I mean, who doesn't love a good sub sandwich? Oh, those are gone now, right? Um, now, that being said, Matt, as you know, uh, we went to go play golf that one time. And uh, and I was I was trying to lose weight, getting ready for this fight. And uh, and, I'm, and I was doing no bread, no bread, no pasta. Day. That was a sad day. You talk about like you you go out with the boys, you play golf, right? What do you want to do? You just want to go crack a couple beer, uh, beers and, and eat a damn cheeseburger, okay? That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> what did I do? 
I had to eat a damn chicken salad. Okay. <laughs> like, I think it was a Caesar a, salad and like a, a vodka with chicken soda. Breast. And like, oh, oh my God. God. It was so brutal. Uh, but I know I can do that. Uh, I don't like to do it, but, uh, but again, uh, as a fellow Husky gentleman, um, always worried about the, the, the weight, uh, I do have at times, please don't, don't for your sake, for, for you don't ever put yourself in the category of Husky gentleman that I used to be. Okay. Let me just for your, you, you, you you do not deserve that. (laughs) I'm just saying anyways. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I know I can do the pasta bread thing. Like I can, I can eliminate that. So, um, for me, man, I just, bro, I can't give up dessert though, man. Yeah. Like, and I hear what you're saying. Like, I don't have it that often. Right. But I mean, again, to expand on this too, it's like, uh, imagine like, I think watermelon constitutes a dessert or like fruit oh, after dinner or something that constitutes wow. dessert. You can't have that. Who cares? You can't have that. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow, you, you don't care about water. Who doesn't like watermelon? Watermelon's the best, bro. What it's fine, about? but if you told me you could never have, if I had to give up watermelon forever for the rest of my life, like uh-huh. fine. Also, <laughs> okay. if fruit, if fruit constant, like your, your fruit after yeah. dinner is a dessert, I mean, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it's it's not the best. But I get it, uh, but I just can't. I can't give up dessert, man. Like I love cakes, I love pies. I just I can't do it, man. Like I'm thinking about like Thanksgiving rolling around. You can't get a pumpkin, a slice of pumpkin pie. Forget it. No, I can't do that. That's not, that's, I, I just can't do that. Plus, I mean, and, and you know this too. It's like, I love baking. I can't have a yeah. cookie. I can't make cookies with my daughter. I can't make cakes with my daughter. I can't do that, man. So uh, for that's me, tough. man, your boy, I'm, I'm giving up the pasta bread. I'm giving up the pasta bread. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I, I'll, I'll give that up, man. So there you go. Um, all right. So that's your option route for the week. We covered a lot of ground in this episode too, which I love. Be sure to go check out the website, receptionperception.com. If you stuck with us this far, we do appreciate y'all, man. But please, please subscribe to the podcast. That would help us considerably and obviously go to the website, receptionperception.com. All right. But our time does run short. We got to run the hell up out of here. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, 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 it's never too late. Chase your dreams. All right, please.